My name is Keith Beavers, and have you listened to Cocktail College podcast yet by Vine Pair? I mean, I don't drink cocktails, but now I want cocktails. What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to episode six of Vine Pair's Wine 101 podcast bonus season. My name is Keith Beavers. I am the tasting director of Vinepair. And how are you? Today we get to talk about orange wine. I know you're excited because I'm excited. I think I feel, I'm feeling your excitement. It's a new hue, if you will. So let's get into orange wine, understand it so we can actually enjoy it. Let's do this. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by E&J Gallo Winery. At Gallo, we exist to serve enjoyment in moments that matter. The hallmark of our company has always been an unwavering commitment to making quality wine and spirits. Whether it's getting barefoot and having a great time, making everyday sparkle with La Marca Prosecco, or continuing our legacy with Louis Martini in Napa, we want to welcome new friends to wine and share in all of life's moments. Interested in trying some of the wine brands discussed on Wine 101? Follow the link in each episode description to purchase featured wines or browse our full portfolio at BarrelRoom.com. Cheers and all the best. So I remember back in season one, we talked about how white wine was made. I mentioned briefly towards the end of that episode about orange wine. And since that mention back in the day, I've been wanting to do an episode dedicated to this style of wine. Because for us as an American drinking culture, the style or category of orange wine is fairly new to us. And being new, it's exciting. It's this new, exciting style of wine that we have that's trending in our culture. I don't think it's going anywhere either. But it's also a little bit confusing and maybe a little bit frustrating. Like, wait a second, we have red, we have white, we have pink, now we have orange. Like, what's up with that? What's cool is this wine journey that you're on, that I'm on, that we're all on, is all about experiencing what you like, finding out what you like, experiencing new things, exploring and all that. Orange wine is just a next level of exploration for all kinds of things from aroma to texture to how we interact with it, with food. It's a very cool category, but we have to kind of break it down, understand it to really get a sense of what it is so we can actually enjoy it. The first thing we have to get out of the way is because we're currently in what is being called a quote-unquote natural wine movement, the, the, I, the, the category of orange wine sometimes gets swept up into that category. There is no such thing as natural wine. There is no definition for it. There's no idea behind it. Every interpretation of this term is different from person to person. So when you think of orange wine, don't think of it as natural wine. Think of it as just a new wine to explore. And not all of them are going to be your jam. There are going to be, just like any other hue of wine, you're not going to like all of them because they're all different. You're, it's just like a red wine or a white wine or a rosé. Also something to understand is just like white wine actually isn't white and red wine isn't necessarily red and rosé looks pink, but sometimes it's a little bit salmony or whatever. Orange wine isn't really orange. It's more of an amber color. But we use the word orange because it's easy. It helps us. It helps us move into the category and enjoy it. 
And actually, Amanda Claire Goodwin, who has an Instagram account called The Real House Wine, created National Orange Wine Day for the U.S., and it's on October 6th every year. It's awesome. As far as who came up with the, I, the, the word orange or decided it should be called orange wine, we don't really know. Uh, there is a guy, David Harvey, who is a wine importer from the U.K., who in 2004 was hanging out with a winemaker in Italy, who was making this style of wine, and he says that he's the one that created the term, that it was just started to be used after he used it so much. But, you know, who knows? So what is orange wine? Well, simply put, orange wine is white wine made like red wine. And that's about as simple as it gets, but there's so much more to it. But if you think about it, it makes sense, right? Because you listen to Wine 101, you know two things. You know that, number one, when red wine is made, it, the grapes are crushed and put into a vat with the skins. We also know that white wine is commonly made without the skins. It's vinified with just the juice. And there's a term in winemaking called skin contact. Obviously, that means that the juice is interacting with the skins of the grapes during the fermentation process and extracting things from the skins because it's a constituent of the wine and and wine product. So red wine is in the category of skin contact wines. This idea or category of orange wine is also in the category of skin contact wines. And because of the emerging popularity of orange wine, when you hear somebody say skin contact wine, they're going to be talking about orange wine. Red wine isn't often called skin contact wine, even though it actually is. I'm trying to give you a little bit of context here. I mean, Rosé is also skin contact wine, am I right? And even though the orange wine category is new for us, it is an ancient wine-making style. Ancient as in, if a wine was made with white wine grapes in antiquity, there's a really good chance it was this darker color, amber, orange, brickish, rusty something, because there wasn't either the technology that we have today or sort of the standardized idea that white wine grapes need to be separated from the skins, not back then. So it's a very ancient way of making wine, but it's also a point of pride for certain cultures that have been making wines in this style for a very long time, specifically the country of Georgia, Slovenia, the country of Croatia, northeastern Italy, specifically in, you got it, Friuli, and to an extent in Hungary, and depending on the culture, their relationship with this style of wine is kind of intense. It's either, it either defines their culture in a a, a way, like the country of Georgia, or like in Friuli, it was originally kind of a survival wine that was eventually uh, not forgotten, but put aside for more international styles, but then is now sort of coming back into the culture, which is awesome. And it's from these cultures that we get the common vessels that are used to make this style of wine. They're clay earthenware vessels that have been used since antiquity. You have the Greeks calling them amphora. The Romans called them dolia. In Spain, in some parts of Chile, they call them tinajas. And in Georgia, they call them kveri. And all those spellings will be in the transcript on vinepair.com. And the benefit of using these vessels throughout history is the controlling of the temperature. It holds, you know, sometimes they're actually buried underground, not always, but they retain sort of like coolness to help the wine not produce all the tartrates and bitter notes. Of course, this is modern day, so not all of these orange wines are made in these vessels, but it's very popular to do so. 
So in this style, white wine grapes are destemmed, they're crushed, and then we have the must. And that must is put into a vat, skins and all, for the fermentation process. Okay, this is where things get interesting. The must of skin contact wine, red, orange, rosé, and all that, it reduces the must acidity, and it increases the pH. So if you were to separate these white wine grapes from the skins and vinify the juice itself, it would have a higher acidity because the must isn't there to reduce it. So what you're doing already is you're creating what it will be perceived as more body in the wine. And although the skins in the maceration process is only extracting a minimal amount of anthocyanins because white wine grapes don't really have a lot of anthocyanins, you're still extracting what tannin is available in the wine. So you're going to get a wine with more body and there's going to be tannin. Now, because this is an oxidative environment, meaning that there, even though there is, you know, it, it does have skins and tannin to protect it from browning agents, but it will brown because it's just all white wine. That's where the sort of the, the dark hue comes from. But what's cool is skin contact must or skin contact wine increases the amount of amino acids in the wine. This is sciencey, but bear with me. Amino acids are the building blocks of protein. And I say this sciencey stuff for two reasons. Number one, yeast cells actually have the ability to create their own proteins to feed off of to do the work of converting sugar into alcohol and all that. But when there's an abundance of amino acids in addition to what they've already made, it actually helps the fermentation process. It helps the rate of fermentation to happen a little more, not rapidly, but seamlessly. And I say that because, you know, we're talking about an oxidative environment. The faster the fermentation can process, the better for the wine. And this fermentation process produces a certain kind of amino acids, like three of them specifically. But the one I wanted to concentrate on, because I want to science you guys out, is an acid called glutamic acid, which is translates to what we perceive as umami, a more savory vibe. And once the yeast cells are dead, the yeast cellular walls break down, which adds even more of that stuff into the wine, bringing even more character to the wine. So what's happening here is a wine made from white wine grapes that has been denied color, pigmented tannins, and all of the other things that give structure to a red wine, but has other stuff that red wine has to help it give it a body. It has a little bit of savoriness to it. It has tannins to it. The acidity is a little bit low, a little more heavier on the palate, but still has enough acidity to be refreshing. Is that crazy? And then also it looks beautiful. It's like a dark orange or amber color and it reflects the light so wonderfully. And if it's done right and the bitter notes have not been extracted what you have is this beautiful, almost full-bodied, amber-colored, white-ish, <laughs> red-ish wine that has a tannin structure that makes you want food. This, these wines are excellent food wines. But like I said, no orange wine is really alike. I mean, they have a similar structure style to them, but some skin contact whites don't even look orange. Sometimes they're just skin contact whites and the work has been done to not allow the wine to oxidize so much. And those wines are awesome as well. They just have a very, just a little bit of a different style to them. 
Maybe they're a little bit lighter, but they have a little more depth to them. This is a very wide ranging category. And the varieties that are used to make these wines often are high, high in acidity and low in tannin to compensate for what they have lost. So even though skin contact must is high in acidity, you still want a high acid grape so you can have some refreshment when the process is over. And for tannins, you want the tannins to be extracted, but not overly so. You want that tannin structure to be just kind of part of the underlying body of the wine. And that's what makes orange wine so unique. And some of those high acid whites are Pinot Grigio, Riesling, a grape called Gromansang, which is a blending varietal in southwest France, is now being made very well in Virginia. And of course, Sauvignon Blanc. Now, this isn't a hard and fast rule, of course. There are no appellations for orange wine. There are no rules. It's just do what you need to do to make this wine orange and make sure that it's a healthy wine. The grapes are healthy. The environment's healthy. There, even though you're making something cool, it's a, it doesn't have the protections that a red wine has. So you have to monitor it a little bit and make sure that when it comes out, it's not bitter. It has savoriness. It's full bodied and it's awesome and ready for food. Now, I'm not really sure why or how this category of wine gets wrapped up into sort of this sustainable thing. Uh, you know, I don't know that orange wines, all of them are sustainable. I don't know that all of them are, are, are organic or biodynamic, but for some reason it's, it's kind of, it grew, the popularity of it kind of grew out of this sort of biodynamic organic movement. And part of me believes it's because of the tannin structure and how the tannin can actually do the work to minimize the amount of SO2 that you have to apply to these wines, but I'm not really sure. What's apparent to me though, is what I said in the beginning of this episode, is the American wine drinker, we're always looking to explore. We want to understand wine. We want to try all the wines in the world and all the different styles. And in America, in the United States at least, you know, we've had, we've struggled throughout our history to make wine. And, you know, the, our, the Sonoma and Napa stuff is not old. It's very new. And we have a lot of what Europe would call neutral varieties out there, varieties that have high acid, low tannin, and not a ton of fruit character. White wine grapes that were normally meant for blending to give backbone to white blends with more acidity. I mean, not all of them. Pinot Grigio is pretty famous and pretty, you know, pretty popular, but like I said, Gromansang, Bourg Blanc, Uni Blanc, all these sort of obscure, not obscure, but like white wine grapes you would find in southern Italy, southern France, and southwest France. I mean, even the grapes that are used to make cognac make really interesting orange wine. Is that crazy? And one last thing about this white wine made like red wine. You don't always have to drink it chilled. I mean, it, orange wine is good chilled. Orange wine is also great at cellar temperature, meaning 55 to 65 degrees, because it does have tannin, and it does present itself sometimes like a red wine in ways. So try it different ways. Try it at cellar temperature. Try it with a little bit of chill on it. Get your, it's, this is kind of like where, you, where do you want your orange wine experience to be because it changes a little bit as that happens. Actually, if you start it with a little bit chilled, it'll, it'll go and warm up to room temperature and then go from there. And that actually might be really cool. So that is orange wine in a nutshell, wine lovers. So if you dig what you just heard, go out there. Find some orange wine. Find the one that you like at the temperature you want. Like make, Find your orange wine. 
Now, it's not always going to be easy. Orange wine is just emerging on our market. It's just starting to trend, but it's going to be out there. So if you have a wine merchant that you trust, talk to them. Follow Real House Wine on Instagram. She's always talking about the orange wines that she likes. She doesn't like the bitter stuff, so she really kind of finds the balanced stuff. But I'm always looking for good orange wines as well. So if you get one and you're like, oh my gosh, this is good, tag me in it on Instagram. I want to see it. At Vine Pear Keith. Tag me. Vine Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pear headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pear. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pear, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pear staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Ian J. Gallo Winery. At Gallo, we exist to serve enjoyment in moments that matter. The hallmark of our company has always been an unwavering commitment to making quality wine experience. Whether it's getting barefoot and having a great time, making everyday sparkle with La Marca Prosecco, or continuing our legacy with Louis Martini in Napa. We want to welcome new friends to wine and share in all of life's moments. Interested in trying some of the wine brands discussed on Wine 101? Follow the link in each episode description to purchase featured wines or browse our full portfolio at barrelroom.com. Cheers and all the best.